Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, Today's episode is with Nick Mitchell, and he leads a pre-sales engineering and support team. And is if you sell something that is technical in any way, and maybe you have a technical sales counterpart working with you, you know the power of a great technical sales counterpart. During our discussion, Nick touches on some great examples of building the trust between the team members. More importantly, how fun it can be when that team is aligned. Uh, Do me a favor, make sure to tune back in this Friday. I'm going to have a great episode, a short solo episode, where I will talk about how to get out of the sales rut. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, Nick, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. How about you? I'm doing great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, so Nick, we uh, we just we've never met before. So I met you. I you know I periodically cruise around LinkedIn and look at people that maybe have posted about uh, an achievers club or you know making a presence club or something like that. And so I think that's how we met, right? I think you'd posted something about making club. Um, yeah, we had a circle of excellence award um, within the company. I think you saw that and, and reached out. So and then we did have. Uh, Fairly recently, we kind of had our company event. Uh, we called it our global summit, and that's where you know we brought a lot of people from all over our, our company in the U.S., North America, and abroad, kind of celebrate you know the work that we've been doing for the year. Yeah, yeah, well, that sounds like a great time. So you're currently a VP of Sales Support for North America. So what's included in that role? Sure. Yeah. The uh, so my background's in sales engineering, so that's always been one of my big focus areas uh, within the team and sales support for my company really wasn't an official team when it started. So, you know, that was something that was kind of done ad hoc. You know, we pull in resources from our operations team to help out. um, And then the sellers would, you know, they would do a lot of the driving, but technology changes so fast. So having a team of sales engineers dedicated to support the sellers um, was something that you know, I really enjoyed as a sales engineer and really tried to focus on, you know, how can we be more efficient? So we set up the team and it's sales engineering, but it's also our centralized sales support or sales administration. So there's a team of sales admins, sales support specialists that will, you know, support the sellers in pretty much any aspect besides actually going out and selling and also support our sales engineers. The team also has deal registration and and pricing support. We have proposal managers that uh, work with the sellers on large global opportunities. Um, and we also have, you know, a team of engineers within all of our disciplines. So whether it's, you know, our audiovisual group, our media and broadcast, or media entertainment, our sports and live events group, um, electronic security, structured cabling, mission critical. So there's all different types of groups that we have 
you know, engineers that are focused on those specialties and designing uh, solutions for our clients. That's what I love about sales engineers. You see a problem, yeah, find a way to solve it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I was looking at your company, so diversified. It looks like you do some really cool projects around digital displays. I saw something about Levi, uh, with something within the Levi Stadium and some work you were doing with uh, like Microsoft's eSports gaming. What, I mean, can you tell a little bit, little bit more about kind of what the products are? Just I'm more curious than anything. Definitely, yeah. It, it ranges from, you know, the way I kind of describe it to family and friends is, uh, you know, we do audiovisual technology from anywhere from say a conference room or maybe a a classroom all the way up to stadiums. So, you know, the really cool projects are definitely those stadiums. So if you talk about NFL, we do a lot of work with, with NFL and the, you know, to get the, the, get the footage, the audio uh, video, you know, to the replay center or to broadcast, you know, so that's one end of the spectrum design the led boards for the stadiums. We'll do it for, uh, downtown, you know, Times Square in New York. Um, and then in the conference rooms, you know, we do specialized uh, rooms for multi-purpose centers, events, you know, event spaces, auditoriums, theaters, all the way to repeatable rooms. You know, a lot of systems now are driven by Zoom and Microsoft for just day-to-day working, and especially in this hybrid work environment where a lot of remote, some companies are still bringing people into the office, you know, really trying to bring this uh, experience that we're having now on Zoom or Microsoft Teams into, you know, the workplace better than it was, you know, pre-pandemic. So we do a lot of those types of room rollouts, uh, you know, for companies that are global. So we might be doing say, a thousand different room upgrades or installs uh, over a year or two period with one, with a single client. So there's a, definitely a big range of work. I need to get your mobile phone number. I've been in so many conference rooms where that stuff just doesn't work. You know, I need to get a, I'm going to get a hotline to you, man. That's uh yeah, I mean, we're seeing a lot more of that. Well, so in your role as a sales support, formerly a systems engineering, sales engineering. So in your role, how can sales professionals really leverage sales support to sell more? Because, you know, there's the lone wolf salesperson out there that just goes and does their thing. But most of us understand that sales is a team sport. There's a lot of resources that go into really performing at a high level. So, and we've talked about that in other episodes. So from a sales support organization, uh, what do the good ones do to leverage you or your team? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's, and it's something I think a lot of sellers that I've worked with in the past, some of them struggled with, some of them that really embraced it and actually wanted to use it, were able to sell significantly more. Uh, I think at the core, you know, the, you know, just the, the normal things that, you know, an account executive or a seller should be expected to do, you know, understanding their client, you know, knowing who the audience is, making sure that they're talking to the decision maker, or at least getting a path to the decision maker and building those relationships, uh, but also understanding what they're, what they're actually selling. So it's, it's tough when technology it continues to change, you know, one week, you know, it could be, you know, a totally different platform update that has changed everything for, you know, say Zoom or Teams or something like that. Um, but when it comes to really expanding how much they sell, I think, you know, just being open to working as a team collaboratively allows us to take some of the burden off the sellers. So when it comes to entering data into the system, registering deals, you know, making sure we're taking uh, advantage of the tool set that we have that can, you know, expedite the process. So all that's kind of what we've built at 
within our team is, you know, it's a single point of entry for the account executives to reach into, and then we'll figure out, hey, what support do they need for that? If we understand what the opportunity is, uh, what the what the scope, potential scope, or areas that we can offer our solutions are, then we'll get the right people lined up. And that allows them to focus on the relationship, bring us in as a technical expert on the call, um, you know, kind of balance it. Because, it's, you know, when I've done some sales in the past, you know, it's you, you can definitely go in there and kind of try to try to sell and be the technical expert. But I think sometimes it helps when you have someone else that's kind of you're bouncing off ideas off of the client with and, and kind of build up that rapport and that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. What are some things uh, that maybe have frustrated you in the past with how sales teams engage or don't engage you or how they work with you? Um, I think overall it's, you know, once you have the trust built up with the seller, I think everything kind of smooths out. And a lot of times I'd say the most frustrating parts are, are when, uh, the sellers maybe don't view the sales engineers or the sales support team as part of their team, right? They're, you know, they view them as just someone that's doing, you know, their busy work right? and just, you know, say, hey, I need this right now. Then that's when you're not really building a team dynamic um, and it makes it a little bit more challenging. I think it's a lot more fun when you're working together and the success is the success of the team rather than just the individual. Yeah, I think that's such a great point because I have seen examples of where, Maybe a salesperson wants to just parse out information to each of the different resources and, you know, just go do this individual task for me, get it done, get it done quickly. And, uh, you know, maybe they're not communicating the big picture. Maybe they're not bringing some of those team members together as a team to really collaborate on the deal. And, you know, it's what people sometimes, what sales reps don't sometimes understand is, right? Somebody like you or somebody in your team, maybe you've talked to like 10 other companies that have, dealt with a similar problem, run into a similar hurdle, and you just don't know what you don't know, but you know, you bring in that experience and that that larger purview of of what's happening out, out there. So I guess that's you know kind of maybe a, a good transition to a question that I'd like to to ask a lot of my guests is, you know, you're not in the direct sales role, but you're really your team is acting very much like a sales engineering team. What have you seen some of the top performers do that really set them apart from the rest of the pack. Yeah, I think uh, the top performers that I've worked with throughout my career, you know, know more than the average seller. So they can speak to some of the details about how things are going to function and how the person that they're selling to is going to be affected by what, you know, what they purchase from us or what they uh, go to their leadership and say, hey, we should go with this solution for our conference space, or we should go with this solution for our, our auditorium multi-purpose space. If they can speak to that knowledgeably and not always have to say, Hey, let me get back to you. That's one of the main things. You know, if I look, I don't think I can uh, come up with a seller that I've worked with that uh, was at the top of our sales leaderboard year after year that couldn't do that. The other thing is really, you know, really just, you know, always being on. And even though I'm not in a sales role, and I know that's hard to say, you know, hey, always be on, always be responsive, but the responsiveness, you know, that is the number one thing I see from the successful sellers. You know, they're not going to let things kind of linger or, or wait, even though, you know, even saying, hey, I don't have an update for you yet. We're working on it is is better than no update at all. Um, and that probably goes for any, you know, any role within, you know, a company is, you know, it's better to communicate that you're working on it rather than just, you know, let it sit and not say anything. 
Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> we see that a lot. I, I I've experienced that quite a bit within more of the, uh, the tech support organizations. Usually maybe it's, you know, it's maybe different country, maybe a third party, whatever it might be. But uh, to your point about, even if they don't have an answer telling them that we do, we are still working on it. Sometimes they don't even do that, right? They just, they, they don't, they're working on it. They're doing a great job, but um, they're just not giving any information to the cu customer or client. And so what does the client think? Well, they're not working on it because they haven't communicated with me. So that ability to uh, be responsive, stay close to your customer, even if you don't have the answer or it's bad news and you're still working through it. Um, man, I mean, the communication piece is so powerful. Yeah. And the, and the other thing that I would think of too is the top of mind is, you know, understanding our value as a company, you know, whatever company you work for, if you value what we provide as a service to, you know, to our clients and explain that or at least stick to it and not just, you know, not just say, hey, we're going to go ahead and devalue to, you know, win this deal or something like that, just be, to be more competitive. I think that's, you know, you got to understand where your differentiators are and, you know, some clients that aren't going to value us or, you know, your, your business as, you know, you value it may not be the best client for you. So, you know, understanding, you know, you can't be everything for everyone is another, you know, I think another, I don't know if it's a skill or just kind of something in the back of the mind when working with clients, you know, about being strategic about what business you're going after to, you know, definitely grow your business. So, yeah. Yeah. Previous guest I had on talked about that ideal customer profile, right? To your point, you can't be everything to everybody. Uh, certain customers are going to be a better fit. Certain customers will have a certain selling style. You can only be so knowledgeable in any, you know, so many verticals. So maybe you focus in on a particular vertical. But Nick, I want to go back to your earlier point about some of those top performers being knowledgeable about you know, what they sell, their products and solutions. And I, I do think that's an area where salespeople in the technical world really struggle because Sometimes they want to, they feel like they need to learn as much as they can about the product, but there is that balance, right? Of how deep you go, you know, it, do you have any maybe guidance or kind of how well do you need to know your products versus where do you stop and let the per, people like yourself, you know, the sales engineers do their role? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I always was looking to learn, right? Always being curious, always learning whatever you can, uh, taking new training courses, making sure you get the updates uh, from the major partners or manufacturer partners or software partners that we work with. That was always key to just continue building my knowledge. I think in terms of how far you need to take it as a salesperson, I mean, there's even a question how far do we need to take it on the sales engineering side as well. I think from a salesperson or account executive perspective, I feel it has to go up to, hey, what's the user experience? You know, when we're explaining to the client, whether it's an end user, the facilities owner, even the executive or the IT department, you know, at least being able to talk to a certain level, uh, you know, within those different areas and it, you know, but not having to really go all the way deep with the IT team. You know, I'm not, I don't think we would expect that. Um, not going all the way deep into, you know, hey, what settings and configurations do we have to do in the, in the unit? It's really about, how is the how are we going to enhance the experience of the folks that are using it? How are we going to make the lives of the IT team uh, much you know more simplistic with managing all these devices because everything's on the network nowadays? And then how are we going to basically increase their productivity and and enhance their meetings? Um, 
you know, the, from the conference or the enterprise standpoint. And I think, you know, that's the, that's the key uh, piece for our enterprise sellers um, is really being able to convey that and talk intelligently about, you know, hey, what's, what's the system going to do? You know, how's someone going to interact with it? Right. And, and if it's beyond that, then pull, yeah, pull a sales engineer in and, or a subject matter expert and we can dig in real deep. Yeah, that, that focus on the experience also translates to focusing on the outcome. And then along with that, you know, some of the best best ones out there do a really great job at then turning those into stories, either stories from other clients, maybe stories within that same company, but helping that customer kind of take those experiences and outcomes and connect the dots on how you can help. So Exactly. I want to break in with this quick commercial from me. I am very excited to announce that we have our first multifamily real estate deal for the year. This is a really nice boutique 88 unit complex in Tempe, Arizona, which is an incredibly strong submarket of the Phoenix area. And we are partnered with my friend Reed and his company at the RSN Group. They're the, the ones that found the deal. And they also have another asset uh, very close by this particular property. Uh, investment spots on this one, they're going to fill up quickly because it is also structured to accept 1031 exchanges. And there's a number of exchanges out there right now looking for a home. So if you're interested, just contact us through hightechfreedom.com or you could book a call using the link in the show notes. And even if you just want to learn a little bit more about the investing process, let's chat. I'm happy to share and follow up with some educational resources. Now back to the show. So Nick, shifting a little bit. So you've uh, you've moved up rather quickly over your career uh, into your current role. I'm just I'm curious, what uh, you know, what career advice would you give somebody? Maybe an earlier career sales engineer that's looking to, you know, they're in the field, maybe their first few years in the role, first five years, looking to maybe make the next jump, whatever that jump might be. What advice would you give? Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the things I would say is, you know, don't wait for you know, a promotion or don't wait for what's next. I mean, to, to an extent, you know, if you, if you show your, your worth and your role and you execute at a high level and you're dependable, you're responsive, it's going to be seen, but you can't expect that things are going to be given to you. So if I look back throughout my career at different points, I was always pursuing what I wanted next, right? So if I you know, started an integration, I was a small family-owned business, the design engineering manager left the company and went to a client to work. I didn't wait even, I mean, maybe a couple of days. And then I went to, uh, you know, his boss and said, Hey, I can take, I can do that role. I can lead this team. I can start growing, growing a team here. And, you know, they gave me the opportunity. And so throughout my career, you know, that was early, that was early on in my career throughout. I've always kind of taken that approach and, you know, I didn't just wait for, a promotion or a salary, you know, increase or anything like that. But if there was a lot of times where I didn't have to either, I didn't have to go after it, you know, because of the work that I put in, the effort that I put in every day, mm -hmm. I was seen. So it can work both ways, you know. Um, there's a balance of, you know, patience and, you know, what's what's practical. I mean, you can't expect to be promoted, say, every six months. I mean, even a year, even year over year is uh, tough, right? You're not going to, you know, you can only advance so far and the companies can only pay, you know, so much of an increase each year. So, so I look at that and look at my experience and you have to kind of balance it out a little bit because 
you know, I went from really one integration company that was small family owned, you know, was there for about six, seven years. They actually closed. Funny enough, it was on an employee appreciation day in 2016 and they shut their doors down, you know, and then I, you know, my career up to that point, I had worn so many hats at a small company, whether it was sales, sales engineering, design engineering, drafting, uh, reviewing, drawings, field engineering, programming, you know, so you're doing everything. So at that point, just starting a family, trying to figure out, you know, hey, what can I do to have a better work-life balance? So I interviewed with nine different companies and looked at how all these other integration firms were, were operating and ultimately went to a, a company that was probably five times the size of the one I was at. We had a great success there over a year and a half, and then we got acquired, and that's the company I'm still with today. And so it's it just a you know throughout that time, you just you know never just sitting back waiting, always trying to look for uh, what values can I bring uh, to the team or you know to you know to the company. Um, that's kind of what I've stood by you know my entire career. Yeah, well, I think you know when you have that type of attitude good things are going to come right because if you have that attitude of always looking at value always trying to deliver on some value to the people around you to the company you'll make the whatever adjustments need to be made along the way but people will notice you know and i guess i'm curious um so at those times where you know it's not appropriate to ask but you're doing the work you're doing you're creating the value any um thoughts or tips on maybe how just cuz you you can't assume that every manager is going to see all the great work that you're doing. Anything that you've done over the years to to kind of help shine a light on some of the value that you're, you're adding? Um, it's a good question. I think in my roles, I've had to um, to shine that light on certain things, right? There's other counterparts with an organization that um, you're working with, that you're collaborating, you know, typically. You know, if I look at the way our team's structured now, we have, say, sales engineering, we have you know, design or project engineering, we have field engineering, we have programming. They're all kind of separate groups with project management. You know, so there's a relationship and understanding of, you know, hey, what are the roles and responsibilities? And then what am I affects people downstream? So as a sales engineer, we're affecting everything downstream, right? You know, if, if the design or the budget is off, you know, we're really putting people at a disadvantage if we're not documenting what we use to form our quotes and things like that, that can cause issues downstream. So uh, really, when we make enhancements on process improvement, you know, we try to, uh, you know, communicate other teams that are going to be that we're going to be interacting with, collaborating with, um, and then also explaining, hey, why, why are we doing this? Why? What's the benefit, especially if it is kind of a process thing. So there's a lot of process related items that I've implemented in our, you know, in our sales support uh, process. and you know, might be an extra step or two for the, you know, account executive. But the reason is we're going to be able to support them within, you know, get someone spun up within two hours rather than say 24 hours. So there's a, there's a benefit there of, Hey, take the extra step, click a couple more buttons and we'll get you going. Uh, we'll get you support immediately. Yeah. So that's kind of how, how I did it is, you know, and uh, how I still do it is always looking, you know, not just saying, Hey, we're going to do this and then, and then do it really work with, you know, work with the team around you and, you know, get some buy-in on, on, you know, things that we're trying to change or, or work on and something's new that's been discovered, just say like as an individual contributor on the engineering side, you know, really that you brought, you know, communicate that with the team. Don't, don't just keep it internally to yourself, you know, really try to get other people, uh, give them the benefit of your knowledge so that someone else doesn't have to spend 
you know, so much time uh, researching the same thing. Yeah. Well, clearly you do, you do a good job pulling people into the process. So you're not doing it by yourself. And I think that says a lot. Well, as we, Nick, as we look to wrap it up, uh, we often talk about, uh, you know, what does freedom look like? What does freedom mean or look like for you as you continue to work through your career? Yeah. I, I mean, I think probably the normal uh, or the expected answer is, you know, being able to retire early, you know, live uh, you know, live with financial freedom, et cetera. You know, I think that is, you know, ultimately the goal, right? You know, I don't want to necessarily be working until I'm 70. I don't see myself in this type of role, you know, for forever. But I, I think freedom to me, you know, means that I can really enjoy, um, you know, enjoy the later years, be able to do things that bring happiness, whether it's more travel, spending time with family and friends, you know, not having to, I don't want to say do the typical daily grind, but whether I'm, I'm working, say, as a consultant or I'm working, you know, maybe I want to start a brewery, you know, something like that. Those are the types of things that I want to have the freedom to maybe shift into, you know, later, later on in life. Um, and, you know, be able to help out, you know, kids. I have two, you know, I have two young boys, three and seven, uh, very challenging at times, but, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of great time together. And I know we have a long, you know, a long way to go. I, uh, my parents supported me throughout, throughout my life. And, and so I really started off in college and, and took off and, you know, trying to set them up, you know, for success is important for me as well. You know, not having loads and loads of debt, um, coming out of school with how expensive college is, uh, increasing year over year. So really that's kind of, that's, I think what it means to me. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. It's, uh, you know, and I don't uh, talk about this a lot during past episodes, but I mean, part of the reason I, I do ask that question is, you know, as we are going through the ups and downs of our sales career, ups and downs of the tech sales role, sometimes keeping an eye on the prize and remembering why are we doing it is what gets you through some of those low points or even maybe humbles you during some of those high points. You know, you start patting yourself on the back too much. Um, you're, you're forgetting about the important piece of why we're doing it, where we're trying to go and, and what that looks like down the road. Well, Nick, um, I really appreciate your time today. It was nice to get to know you. If somebody would like to reach out to you or connect up, what's, what's the best way to do it? Um, I'd, I'd say on LinkedIn, you know, I'm, I'm on there. So search for me, Nick Mitchell, uh, and at diversified, you can, you can reach me there, message me. I'm pretty responsive and that, that would definitely be the best way. Excellent. All right. We'll put that link in the show notes. Nick, thanks again. Have a great day. All right. Thanks, Chris. Have a great one. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating, and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.